and welcome to our minisode, our extra episode of the Joy of CF. I'm Sue Carter, and today, instead of our usual podcast, we're giving you a little look behind the scenes of a discussion at UMF. Now, as part of our exploration into the world of CX and how we use data to inform and support our decision-making, at UMF within our team, we've been looking at NPS, which is the Net Promoter Score. Now, if you haven't heard of that, it's a market research metric based on a single survey question that asks respondents to rate the likelihood that they would recommend a company product or service, etc. Now, we had a bit of a discussion about this. We, we thought, thought about what the score was telling us, but crucially, how relevant we think it still is and whether we might be able to improve on that process to help understand the customer and the customer's needs. So in a room, we had Richie Hester, who will also hear on our recent episode about CX and data, and um, CEO Stephen Priestnell and a few other of our colleagues. And Richie talked us through his view of NPS, as did Stephen, and, and how perhaps it could be improved. So I'm going to hand over to them now, and you can now listen to some of the conversation that they had. So the background on this, yeah, it now is a good ch- time to challenge NPS as a universal customer metric. It may be very strong in some instances, but maybe meaningless in others, yeah? And I, I, I do mean meaningless, I think. Um, other organisations are already starting to look at this and think about it, as witnessed recently by Stephen Priestnell. Yeah. So in organisations that have an interface with end customers, and that could be B2B or B2C, historically it's come a lot out of B2C, but it does work B2B as well. They Probably 15 years ago, they started striving for a thing that would say, well, what tells us whether we've got a good relationship with our customers that actually makes our business better? And um, a, a model was created called a net promoter score. So, I said when it was, it was 2006, and it was Bain that started. I bet you, so I wasn't far off, yeah. 15 years. Yeah. Um, and the idea was if an individual is likely to promote a brand or a service or a business, then that indicates a high quality of customer service. Customer experience wasn't really a term at the time. It was more of a customer service. And then a whole, so Bain launched this thing and a whole bunch of consultancies made money um, out of creating their version of a net promoter score model. And essentially it meant going into an organization, creating a survey founded on the principles of net promoter score, and then populating, uh, inserting that survey into customer experiences. So intervening in customer journeys at various points, point of sale, point of service, point of complaint, and and um, the organisation would then score itself on net promoter score on the NPS, and it's a score of zero to ten, essentially, it's a bit more to it than that. Um, anything eight, nine, ten means essentially you're doing. Nine, as- ten. 910, you're doing as well as you can. If you're at 910, that means you're a promoter. You, you, you are an active promoter. And Apple, which typically scores top, 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 only ever really scores eight to nine. So very few people ever get nine tens. Mm-hmm. If you're in the four to eight, 
Five to eight? No, seven to eight. Oh, seven to yeah, eight. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough. That's, that's then... Neutral passive, they call it. Neutral passive, okay. Yeah. There you go, so that means that, okay, you're not doing anything wrong, but you could do better. And then below that, once you're scoring under that, then you're, um, you're essentially losing people out of your brand as a consequence of service. So where that's got to over the last five years, probably, it, it's becoming a tired metric. It's becoming perceived as really linear. Really and it's applied lazily everywhere. So yeah. everywhere I've ever worked to, uh, gas companies will do it, banks will do it, everyone, regardless of how relevant it is to them. So it's starting to get to lose traction as a thing. So previously you would have a board saying, what's our MPS? Just tell me what the MPS is. And then they'd say, if it's three, well, our, our job is to get it to four next year. And everything would be focused around getting NPS from three to four. So, of course, what you do is you'd find out when the surveys were being inserted. You then go and fix that bit and think, ah, job done then, because our NPS score's gone. Mm. But, of course, that doesn't reflect the overall customer experience. It's, it's, it's a, so it's a bit like a Schrodinger's cat thing. Yeah. It's like once you open the box of NPS, you've kind of, you've lost the point of it. Because you're, you're measuring the thing. That is comparison. <laughs> if you don't know Schrodinger's cat, that's another story. That's a longer <laughs> one. That's a scary one. Um, um, the point is that it's now, it's, a, it's got that kind of emperor's new clothes about it. And, people and it, going, it's, so it's just one score. So you take all your nines and tens. So 80 of our survey replied nine and ten. A hundred replied naught to six. Mm-hmm. Take whatever, so 80, 100 from 80, your NPS score is minus 20. It's that one score they look at all the time. Oh, yeah, sorry. So Richie's right. The bit I missed was you'll get a minus or a plus score. Mm-hmm. So you get – that's what I was getting confused by. Yeah. Sorry. So you have these – what are your nines and tens? What are your eights and nines? And what are the rest? And you add all those up and you get a positive or negative. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's where I was thinking about Apple. Yeah. So I think Apple scores like plus 60% or something, isn't it? Yeah. So plus 60. Which is as good as you're ever getting. about as good as you're going to get. So that's the combination between promoters and detractors. And if you're kind of in the game of thinking about NPS, you want to be thinking about having plus 20 upwards. It's kind of a, once you're in plus 20 upwards, you're thinking, okay, we're, we're kind of doing all right. But it, like you said, it's a lazy self-defeating metric because different industries and different organizations, different, different customs, it's all going to behave differently. So I was at the conference, at the Quirks conference, which is a research conference last week, and this was a presentation. Um, it was co- co-presented by, I think, a digital agency that dabbles in CX, uh, specializing in subscription model membership organizations like Netflix, um, and uh, arguably a you know, BT or things that you pay a monthly subscription for. Um, that's where their their specialism is, and they're partnered up with a research agency. And their um, their idea was to challenge NPS, challenge brand tracking service, which is another metric that people use to say how good is our business doing, and they. Um, proposed that actually there are some more fundamental measurements of customer experience than what NPS does. Basically, the problem with NPS is it kind of makes an assumption that all customers are the same, all their needs are the same, 
or businesses the same, all offerings are the same. Therefore, you can apply this metric, and it's just not the case. And even if you do use it, it should be calibrated differently. So that's kind of where we're starting from. So, yeah, I thought we'd challenge it by just going back to real basics first. So not all customers are the same. Let's just think about customers. Think about why they're customers. Think about what do they actually need. And based on that, have a reflection back of how relevant is NPS in different cases. And then overlay the criteria on top. And you want to sort of start building the sort of screen we saw before, just potential for what, how, what we could look at. I think a real strength Bump has got, and it's a USP, is the ability, like you, you said then, to not have to be data driven. You don't, this is a very good agency, but not coming from the data says this, so we'll follow it. There is no data, we can't do anything. You and Sue, in particular, seem very good at putting stakes in the ground and letting the data work to fill it. So it does give us a major strength here. So there's, I think there's three challenging NPS, there's three, well, four ways forward. One is do nothing. Yeah. But there's three different levels of approach we could take here. And I just, as I've been going, I've thought of some things just put that relevant to me just to throw in to sort of help shape the thinking a bit. Yeah, so this doesn't give us an answer. It just shapes the question, hopefully, so we can start thinking about it. Um, yeah, and it's based on what I've seen in my time, and I've deliberately not referred to anything else. I never look back at your presentation such a bit. We do build on it. There's no copyright issues. We didn't nick anything from anywhere. It's just purely what I've seen in life. Yeah. Yeah, and don't get hung up on term. You know, so if I say requirements and you think is needed to really manage that. And how does this fit in with need states? I think it sort of integrates and complements it. And need state is like Broadway in New York. It just cuts through the middle, right, and just pulls it all together kind of thing, yeah? So, right, customer. So everything in NPS is just what does the customer think? And there's, there's endless permutation to customer. So top level, there's an individual typically, B2C. A group, people forget this one. So a key example of a group is a couple and a bank account, yeah? Banks do not know who their customer is. If you and your other half mm-hmm. have a bank account, they're really unclear who the customer is. Is it both? What they tend to do is the prim- mm-hmm. primary stakeholder, which is the first signature on the form. Nothing else, yeah? And it's um, it's really complicated. Organisations, and I wondered if there's something something else around network, you know? I don't know, like a Facebook group or something. I don't know. But, no, it's interesting. Yeah, but it's just worth thinking along that, that column, is there anything to expand on, yeah? And then the state they're in, and this actually matches exactly what they said. I kind of agree with them on this. It's, it's a customer, someone who may offer, i.e. is a prospect, has recently offered, i.e. a new customer, is offering an existing customer or who no longer offers, which is a lapsed customer, yeah? And whether there's more down there we can think about. Because your use of the term offer seems a bit odd to me. No, it's going to come into the next bit. Okay. Now, one-off payments, you kind of alluded to this already, and that there may be more between one-off payment and regular subscription. There might be more, yeah? I think there's some really important ones that, People don't think about it. one is information, yeah. And my relationship with Google, yeah. All I give them, I've never given them a penny in my life. I give yeah. them information, and then this one's even if bigger. You're not, if you're not paying anything, you're the product. That 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 principle. Yeah, exactly. And then this one's even bigger, I think, which is attention. And I'll come on to that. But an example of that is um, Spotify. I've got it later. Yeah, I don't pay them a penny. But what I give them is I give them my time and I listen so that they can flog me adverts in between. Yeah. And is there? An, I just wondered: is advocacy in itself an offering? And an example would be: you, right, restaurant we use, come to my restaurant, and you can have a free meal 
who give us good write-up. And I don't mm. know if that's relevant or a sidetrack. No, I think I think this is really interesting that the value in a customer is more than the transactions. Fundamental thing that this is saying. Yeah, which has massive implications yeah, for sales. Yeah, and I say you might think and just add more in there or sort of break them down a bit. But it's just the kind of starting point or a click. A click sort of fits between somewhere between the tips nice. and advocacy, right? Very nice. Yes, yes. And then in return for, and typically products and services, but again, I'd argue information, you know, that there are relationships you might have where you may pay and you're not interested in the product and service, you just want the facts, yeah? Mm-hmm. And this is a key one for me, and this comes at this access, and this is Liverpool Supporters Football Club. Yeah, Liverpool Football Club, uh, me and Tommy, we pay membership every year, so we're regular subscription. I don't care what they do. The only reason I do it is to get tickets to the games. Yeah, nothing else matters. They send me all this player, listen to Kenny that no, not interested. I want that day when I can go on and try and get tickets. Nothing else matters. So I think access is another one. And again, there might be more down there. But even just thinking of customer like that, you've got at least 250 permutations of what customer means. You know, so you're trying to pick one score on top of that, the 250 different types of people, it's really difficult. Then this one, I think, why are you a customer? So why are you in one of these states? And there's only, th- I think there's three reasons. And they're necessity, benefit, and fulfillment. And necessity is to, where you're trying to make something bad okay. Mm-hmm. Benefit is where you're trying to take something that's okay and make it better or good. And fulfillment is where everything's fine. You just want more, want something more rewarding in your life. Maybe there's others, but I think I think I can't think of any example of anything I ever buy that doesn't fit into one of those or a combination of them. Even yeah, so you're already getting to 760 different customer types. So th- this is the way to kind of think about. It, I think so. If you think of um, a driver of why you're a customer, well-being is a really good one because it fits across all three. Yeah. So it could be a necessity. I'm depressed. I need medical help. Yeah. I'm in a bad situation. I want to make it good. I'm going to look for product services. It could be something where life's fine, but I want to make it better. Yeah, um, I'm feel fine. I'd quite like some med- meditation classes to make life even better still. And it might just be fulfillment. I want to appreciate fine art, just purely for my own well-being. And I think those three are all driven by a well-being need, but they're totally different. One's a need, one's a benefit, one's a fulfillment. Okay, it could be the wrong words. You can make better words, but it's the kind of thing. And you can work through these and it's just one here. So actual physical health. So no, I, I'm ill. I need it checked out. Healthy food will help me lose weight. Is there a fulfillment one here? And the one I thought of, I haven't put one in, but your fell running, mm-hmm. you could say, is a, yeah. is primarily a benefit. Any purchase, any relationship you have is probably because it's keeping you fit. But you probably enjoy it as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. even yeah. if it didn't make you fit, it would still possibly fit in the third fulfillment category. Fulfillment piece. I think it, no, I think it is fulfillment piece. I yeah. I think there's a lot of, yeah. Okay. And they can keep going to wealth. I mean, either we're skint, we need to do something, we're going to be repossessed, or we come into some money, let's invest it. I can't see there's any point where it's fun playing the stock market. You do it for the benefit or the necessity kind of thing. And you can work your way down and there's endless, well, not endless, I came up with quite a few just comfort, you know, it's, it's either a necessity or a benefit. The merging between benefit and fulfillment is kind of, I'm struggling with the, with the di- distinction between benefit and fulfillment. Okay, I, I would argue fulfillment has no intrinsic value. I'll come to some in a minute okay. that are All just right. fulfillment only, I think. So qualification, this is a really key one, yeah? Enlightenment, I want to appreciate fine art. There's no benefit of me having a picture of X. I mean, it's just a fulfillment, it's just nice. And then this one, 
I've earned that chocolate cake. Yeah, it's not making life better. It's it's just a reward. And then that festival sounds like fun. So, so there's stuff which is purely for yourself, just to make yourself feel more fulfilled as you. It's not making you healthier, fitter, financially even safer. It's just, in fact, you say chocolate cake's a good example. It's actually undermining everything else, yeah? But it's mm-hmm. it's something you would buy as a fulfillment for yourself. No benefit in it. Is there a charity element giving back? Is that some Nice. I should have a good point, actually. Charity charity would fit only in fulfillment, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, I suppose Typically. if there's a... Yeah. Or you can argue, I suppose, I want to invest in that charity it, fund yeah. because of X and Y's happening in my family, but... But just, you know, thinking along these lines, you're suddenly getting, <clears throat> there's 11,000 already just without you guys adding stuff in different states <clears throat> of customers, just using those few drivers. Yeah, so why are you a customer? Because I have a well-being necessity, a well-being benefit or a well-being fulfillment that I'm okay. after. So at one extreme, how relevant is NPS? So I don't think that she needs us. <laughs> you might as well go home like, Richard, get on with it me and Gustav yeah. <laughs> right yeah so I think a very where NPS is mega relevant is something like this yeah so this is survival this, our house is about to collapse we need a builder yeah this guy scores massive on TripAdvisor or whatever you know Trustpilot whatever he's on loads of work in the area and everyone is delighted so we're thinking of moving house and I said to our our Window cleaner saw the for sale sign. I said, Are you moving? I said, Yeah. And he said, Would you do us a favor? Would you let the next people know that we do a good job? And I thought, Spot on. That, that kind of thing, you know, is, is where NPS is really important. Recommendation. <clears throat> and then, well, where it's very irrelevant, I think, totally relevant, is back to I want to buy some fine art. Yeah. And you think this, I want to base it on my opinions only. Mm. And I'm actually passively, uh, passionately disinterested in what anyone else thinks. And to me, I just think this is the biggest piece of genius mankind has ever produced that picture. The cat's out. I don't know why. I just love it. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I just love it. Mm. Unconditionally, mm. yeah. Mm. The cheapest print you can get which is, like, is £4,000. So you can do more cheap. But yeah, I, I just think NPS is utterly irrelevant. It doesn't matter if everyone else in the world hated that or if everyone else loved it. It's irrelevant to me. It's just... So I think those are the kind of extremes, yeah? And then you get the decision... Well, and fell rolling. It's the same thing. Exactly. It's like most people go, you're mad. Yeah. Why on earth are you down mountains? Parachute jumping. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, maybe it's the case that um, NPS is much more relevant on the necessity side and disappears in value as you move towards fulfilment. Just thought. Awesome work, Richie. It's really interesting. It feels like it's in a reaction to how society's changing in terms of the, you know, NPS was relevant when things were much more... You know, the needs were much more fundamental yeah. post-war sort of... Well, the bank, you know, yeah, when the, you, when you, the bank manager kind of... Yeah, yeah and now the, the, the idea of fulfilment is as much of a valued need as... as, as yeah. uh, or more of a valued need than it was. And so, you know, the um, so it, it, there's a business in that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. It's a good point, actually, because for, you think of presents, when you buy presents for your kids nowadays, they've got everything they need on the phone. Mm-hmm. So it tends to be skydiving or, you know, experiences, fulfilment-type stuff. Mm-hmm. So there is definitely a move towards mm. it in some ways. So we will leave it there. And I hope that Stephen and Richie have given you 
a lot to think about, particularly when it comes to that MPS and data and your customer experience. We'll see you for the next podcast. Our next one is entitled UX and CX, A Match Made in Heaven. We look forward to welcoming you then. Thanks and bye. Bye.